alone. Bring it back. Welcome to the Endurance Town USA Project. This podcast, along with our blogs, vlogs, and adventure team, travel around the USA both creating and sharing the stories of human beings, changing lives, and communities through endurance sports and outdoor adventure. Follow us by subscribing today to reconnect and rediscover your own why as we explore the people and the places that make the endurance lifestyle where we call home. This is Endurance Town USA. Bring it back. Hey guys, we're here at Endurance Town USA. I'm with my good friend, Amira Alkashef. Hi. Autoimmune disease coach and overall badass woman warrior that I love. And we're going to talk today a little bit. It's part of our three-part series on making peace with. This one in particular is on making peace with autoimmune disease. And we're going to kind of get right at it. Okay. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, good. Welcome. <laughs> good. Thank you. So first, let's kind of get started telling everybody a little bit about who you are. So if you don't mind taking us back a little bit and maybe give us some history in terms of where you were born, mm -hmm. what your youth looked like. You're still young, but oh, yeah. <laughs> what was growing like up for you? Well, I was born in Montreal, Canada. Okay. I did move to the U.S. until I was 12. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, my parents uh, immigrated from Egypt, so I'm first generation. Egypt's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up there, surrounded by lots of family and friends and my culture, and it was a great upbringing. Um, mm -hmm. That's also where I, right around, can't really remember the age, and I don't think my mom can pinpoint it either, but... Mm -hmm. um, I started getting sick at a very young age, and it started with um, frequent fevers. So the doctor would have us monitor in a little notebook how often I was getting fevers. Do you know what age this might have been, roughly? I, I don't remember, Pre really. Oh, yes. It was still okay. when I was in Montreal. Okay. And we moved here when I was 12, so it was definitely preteen. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And um, so... That was it. It was just fevers. I would spend like weeks in bed sometimes, unable mm. to like go to school or be with my friends, but nobody could really figure out what it was. Okay. And then when we moved here, um, I'm also a soccer player. Well, former, back in my prime. <laughs> back I was in the day. So I was a soccer player. Well, you're going to have another prime or two. Don't you worry about oh, that. Yeah. And um, I had a lot of like joint pain, which we always oh. attributed to soccer because I've been playing soccer since I was five years old. Okay. So I was getting fevers. I was, you know, tired. I didn't have really good endurance. And mm. um, my coaches always noticed my endurance wasn't the best when playing soccer. And I had joint pain. I had knee pain, ankle pain. And, but nobody could really figure out what was going on. Um, so kind of fast forward, um, when I was 18, um, we, one of the doctors, uh, said, you know, we think you should see a rheumatologist based on your symptoms that you've had since you were young and, um, you have a positive ANA that's speckled. Um, so speckled ANA is a sign of lupus. Oh, okay. So they sent me to a rheumatologist and she did more tests and she examined, um, examined me and like just kept an eye on me and I would see her like once a month and um, we finally came to the conclusion based on the positive ANA and based on all of my symptoms um, that I had lupus. So I was diagnosed when I was 18. Um, Were you still in school and able to go to school and do sports or okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I were... did sports. I was in school. I had a job since okay. I was 15. Wow. Yeah, I was still doing it all. I okay. had like not good days and good days, but on mm. my not so great days, I still powered through if I could, if I couldn't, if it was a fever, I would just, um, stay at home. Sometimes the fevers were really high and I'd have to go to the hospital. Oh, wow. Um, but I was still for the most part trying to live a normal, um, teenage lifestyle at that point. Wow. And were you raised by both your parents? Yeah. And do you have parents. siblings? I have an older brother older brother so he was in the house when this was all happening and your parents were he actually was not in the house he's older so when I was diagnosed at 18 he was in college so okay. he wasn't in the house mm -hmm. and how was your ha your family handling I mean it's very difficult to have a sick child they mm -hmm. must have been worried how was that going 
stressful. So um, I would, I can only make assumptions about yeah. that because in um, my family, we were so different now, which I'm super grateful for, but we never really talked about our feelings or were encouraged to talk about our feelings, just like things happen and you deal with them. Okay. And I think it might be the culture or like an immigrant, um, you know, way of thinking. It's just like, you're just dealing with life. Like there's nothing to talk about. It's a fact and you just deal with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so we never talked about the diagnosis. The rheumatologist wanted to send me to an experimental clinic in San Diego for a trial. And I was like, hell no. Oh, you got to choose? Your parents didn't say, yeah, that's happened. I was 18. Oh, there right. was no... I chose for myself. I was like, there's no way I'm doing that. Okay. Um, we went to UCLA. Um, like, my mom is a fixer, so she would, I, I know, which probably way more than I know, but she was probably doing her own research and yeah. all of that. So she took me to, she got me an appointment at UCLA Medical Center. Great. Um, but at that point, I'm, you know, I'm 18. I just, I don't even know, like, what does this diagnosis, like, mean for the rest of my life? Had you already graduated high school at this point? Yes. I actually graduated high school a bit early, so I was already done with high school. Okay. So you were out of school. Mm -hmm. And what were you doing at this moment? Were you working or were you planning on going to school? I was working. Um, I was planning on going to school. Um, and then I decided not to because I didn't see the point if, like, my life, I don't, like, what is my life going to be like? Like, what's the point? Did you understand what that diagnosis was at that moment? Not really. Yeah. Like, I kind of, like, you don't know, like, the internet, I mean, I'm not super Google. old, but it's not what it is now. Back in the day. You couldn't really Google it. I just had, like, pamphlets of, like, what the doctor gave me and... That was kind of it. So, like, what you're seeing in these pamphlets, it's, like, the worst case scenario of, like, the most severe lupus symptoms ever. Yeah. So, I'm reading all these things. And I'm like, oh. Scary. That's not good. Oh, I'm definitely going to die like that. Like, that's what you're thinking. So, yeah. it was like, I'm just going to enjoy my life. Like, who cares about college? I'll just work and until the day comes, basically. Wow. Wow. And you're, you didn't sit down with your parents and have a hard conversation about that. Oh, no. So you internalized pretty much, hey, my fate has been cast with this autoimmune disease. And lupus is a very severe autoimmune disease, to be clear. I mean, there's hundreds of them in varying degrees. Mm -hmm. but, but at 18, when traditionally most people would have their whole life ahead of them mm -hmm. and be like, hey, you're time to go off and, you know, party and have a gay old time. Be free from my family. Yeah. And you had a completely different experience mm -hmm. that had to just change, you know, every ounce of your being and how you felt about the world and yourself in such a stagger. It's hard to even comprehend, especially yeah. at 18. Yeah. So did you at that moment, how sick were you at that time? Were you? It's like, it's weird because I didn't see myself as sick, probably okay. because I've been having fever since I was very young. It's like all you can remember. Mm. Um, so I don't really see myself as sick. Like sometimes you were functioning. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes people would have to remind me, mm -hmm. like I would be at work and I'd be upset. Like, I'm so tired. I feel like I can't even function. I can't think because you get brain fog, but I don't, I didn't even know what that was. Then I'm like, I just feel like I can't think. And I'm like a very prideful person. Like everything I do, I have high standards for myself. Like in school and at work and everything. So if I don't do something perfect, I'm like really hard mm. on myself. So when I can't think, it really drives me nuts. Like when I have brain, yeah, when I have brain fog. And I had a friend be like, Amira, like, lupus. <laughs> like, yeah. chill. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, like I'm I'm fine. Like that doesn't affect me, type mm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I like internalized it, but like rejected it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Well, you made a conscious decision that it wasn't going to define who you are well, yeah. and what your life was going to look like. You were going to lead your life. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there is a moment where you have to come to grips with the reality of if I have an autoimmune disease and this is part of my physical experience here, how am I going to manage that, you know? Yeah, that's definitely the piece that I was missing because I think, for me, I feel like my approach to autoimmune disease is right. Like you should live life the way you want to. Mm -hmm. 
no matter what, but you do need to manage it. Yeah. So I had to go through about 35 years of learning it the hard way Mm -hmm. um, and getting to a place where I can manage it. And I still don't think of myself as a sick person. Yeah. Like I'm just, I have, sometimes I have good days. Sometimes I have bad days um, because I manage it really well. Now they're mostly good days. Mm -hmm. It's very rare when I have a bad day. So, well, yeah. and I do think it's up to us. It's tricky with Western medicine. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about these com- these mm-hmm. kind of things before. Um, I have autoimmune and it's celiacs. It's a very different than lupus for sure. But Western medicine traditionally wants to put us in these particular buckets and have us operate our lives and look at our bodies in a certain lens that is, you know, what they're taught and what their methodologies are. But Yep. That's not really how we roll, but also yep. we believe working with others and coaching others that, you know, it's not, it, it's not a limit to what you can do or who you're going to be, or even how your body's going to perform. You do have power over these diseases, mm-hmm. but there are moments, which we've also both had where, you know, we've been on our knees and been crippled by them too. So we're not ignorant to what they can and can't yeah. do. But how, what was your process? So you're 18, you get this diagnosis. Did you just go hog wild and turn into just a crazy party animal? What were you doing? No, I'm, I've always been, for, for me, for my parents, it was probably crazy. I didn't go to college right away. Uh-huh. Took a whole six months off. Six months? That's so radical. <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, I was like drinking and partying, but like nothing like insane. Like yeah. I was 18. Oh, well, sorry, underage drinking. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, whoopsie. Um, but I wasn't, we didn't go to bars. I wasn't of age. So it was like me and my friends, like in my apartment drinking a beer, like it wasn't, you know, anything crazy in San Luis Obispo. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Moved out of my parents' house and I was living on my own. Okay. And working and working. Yeah. Mm. And, um, I was given a prescription for, um, a drug to take for lupus and you're supposed to take it every day for the rest of your life. I said, okay, let me get this, um, this little pill, see what happens, mm-hmm. start taking it. And then I started reading about it and all the side effects it had. Mm. So one of them is like, you go deaf. You go deaf. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, okay, I'm 18. I'm going to take this pill for the rest of my life. Who knows what's in this thing? What chemicals are in here? I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not a scientist. Mm-hmm. And the possi- there's a possibility I'll go deaf. You know what? Let me just deal with what lupus has to offer. Right. And I'll keep my hearing. Thank you very much. Yes. So I didn't take anything. And those drugs, to be clear, would have just taken your symptoms down a few notches. They were not going to cure you ever. And maybe. It's not even guaranteed. Right. But there is no cure. No. There's right. No cure. And with autoimmune disease, it's a mystery to this day. I mean, the whole field of autoimmune, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe you want to tell people what is an autoimmune disease since you're an autoimmune specialist coach <laughs> sure. now. Yeah. So an autoimmune disease is um, a disease where your body attacks itself because it can't recognize between foreign invaders and things that are already supposed to be in your body. Mm. So it recognizes anything good in your body. It could at any moment can recognize it as being a foreign invader and is trying to fight it off. But what it's actually doing is just fighting itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it can cause um, basically the root of all autoimmune diseases is inflammation. So it depends on what autoimmune disease you have. So you have celiac, so it's inflammation of the bowels of your gut, basically. Um, lupus affects um, every part of the body. It affects the brain. It affects your joints. It affects your gut. Um, your gut and your brain are very related. Um, Aren't they, though? Yeah. <laughs> We've learned that the hard way also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you decide to go to college for any particular reason? Like, what made you decide that higher education was a good call? I... I've always been very driven. Like I came out of the womb driven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after, yeah. So always like very independent, strong-willed. So I think after six months of, you know, I was working at the job I had since I was 15. And I was looking around me at like people 30 years older than me, still at the same job. Mm-hmm. And the job for me was an easy job and it wasn't challenging. It's not ever what I would picture myself doing. 
I was like, I'm not, I don't want to do this for one more day, let alone for the rest of my life. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not a life either. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm going to have, so I, like, my mentality kind of switched from my life's going to be short. Who cares? I'm not going to go to school. I'm not going to do anything productive with my life. I'm going to just have fun. And it switched to if my life's going to be short, I'm going to make it count. Like, I'm going to rock this shit. (laughs) Like, I'm going to do everything I want to do. But, I'm going to do it as quickly as possible because who knows when the time's yeah, up. Right. So I decide I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get my education. I'm going to get a badass job. <laughs> I have like a dream of working at the UN. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So I'm going to go back into sports. Like, yeah, I was just like gung-ho. It was like from one extreme to the other. From I'm not doing shit to I'm doing it all and I'm doing it all well. Well, the interesting thing that happens with a lot of people when they get a crisis or a diagnosis, especially a health crisis, mm-hmm. is, as you know, go, you know, there's all of these mental, emotional processes that has to happen, like denial, anger, mm-hmm. grief, right? There's a whole series of yeah. emotional process that happens with that. You just went through yours like super fast. <laughs> yeah. Like I got diagnosed with celiacs yeah. and I just I rejected it for a year. You were like, Six months, I gotta go do the thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. But everyone has to kind of get there in their own time, and it is yeah. a process. I guess we definitely want to make sure people know that you will get through the process yeah. if you're surrounded by the right people and mm-hmm. you can gain the right tools and support that you need and, you know, the mindset yeah, requires. Mindset, for sure. mm-hmm. So you're in college. Mm-hmm. How was your health throughout that time in college? Did you struggle or were you pretty good? It was pretty good. My main mm-hmm. thing was fevers. Um, and I started having, having back problems, um, which like later was found out that I have like a degenerative disc, um, Mm -hmm. which like can like happen with people, um, for people with lupus. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall, like for me, it was nothing. It was like, "Mm, have a fever. Who cares? Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. You're used to feeling hot. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Really, really hot or really cold. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. Always have Tylenol on deck. Mm -hmm. I always like check my temperature. I have ice packs, heating packs. Like I was just like, whatever, like it's not a big deal to me. I'm a little sick. Who cares? Well, you armed yourself with the education about what it was, I assume, because that's how you operate also. And then gave yourself the tools to cope. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And you graduated from Cal Poly, correct? No, I went to Cal State Channel Islands in Canada. Okay, okay. And so you away. moved there. I did, yeah. Okay. And you studied? Mm-hmm. I studied political science. Political science. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like to debate. <laughs> did you, you didn't immediately come back to San Luis Obispo after college? No, I did not. So I came back just for the summer after I graduated, and then I moved to San Francisco for an internship with Amnesty International. Amnesty International. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, it was cool. And what were you doing there? I was there, um, oh my, it's so long ago. I was there like outreach and administrative intern. Okay. So I was doing a lot of office work, but also like planning events with them and like participating in our protests and stand-ins and rallies mm-hmm. and um, traveling to colleges where like we had Amnesty International groups oh, that's cool. to put on events mm-hmm. and yeah. You found the nonprofit space very quickly. Was that intentional? Very intentional. Yeah. yeah. What, what's so, that about? Well, being in college <laughs> really opened my eyes to the way people think about others. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> that was probably won't surprise you because you know me. Mm-hmm. But um, I stand up for myself. I stand up for others. I don't like injustices. They make me very, very angry, Mm -hmm. enraged, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everybody should be treated equally Mm -hmm. and justly. And I I don't understand the mentality of those who do not, those who see others as less than. Mm -hmm. And it like, it just, there's just fire in my heart. Yeah. And like, I have to do something about it. Yeah. So in college, there was like a lot of, so this area as you know but also where i went to college is predominantly white Mm -hmm. there's not very many minorities so in a lot of my classes i was the only brown person definitely the only muslim person Mm -hmm. um so a lot of you know historical context you know comes into play when you're talking about middle eastern people you know 9 11 had already happened so Mm -hmm. there's that i was you know 
in a gender study class. So, of course, Islam comes up and about women, how they're treated in Islam, which, you know, everybody's pretty much uninformed about that, turns out. So I felt like I was always fighting with other people. Like, I didn't have, like, the tools to be calm and have, like, a civilized uh-huh. debate. So they were civilized, but I'm Conflict. not... A, Conflict. Yeah, it was, yeah, very... I was very headstrong. I still am. I was very headstrong. <laughs> so I was always debating with people and just like, I just don't understand how you people think like this. Mm-hmm. And what about these people? And how who's going to help people who, who don't have a voice for themselves? A lot of people don't have that voice. That's for sure. So I said, well, I want to be part of that voice. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I can do something. I can kind of make a difference. If, if nothing, at least I'm trying. Mm-hmm. So that's how that came about. And you've continued to do that. I, yeah, I've <laughs> always worked in nonprofits. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you were in San Francisco. You had this job. How was your health at that moment? It was, at that moment, it was okay. Was it? It was just, I get tired. I wasn't like, wasn't active at that point. Mm-hmm. So um, I was just working still getting the fevers but like nothing like severe was happening at that point Mm -hmm. when did you decide to leave that city and what was the reasoning to come back to San Luis Obispo yeah so I left that city when I was 28 years old so I was there for six years that's that's a good investment yeah Mm -hmm. and city life yeah city life (laughs) it's not for everyone but it was good for Mm -hmm. uh while it lasted um I left because I I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. My health had gone so out of hand, so unmanageable, mm. so bad that I thought if this thing doesn't kill me, I might kill myself because I can't take this anymore. I was too I went through two years of a flare up. A flare up that lasted two years? Yeah. Whoa. And I was still working the whole time, full-time job. Nuts. And you were living on your own. Living on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, Going to see doctors all the time, different doctors. Mm -hmm. And that doctor is like, oh, you don't have lupus, actually. So now we have to figure out what's really wrong with you. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Like, that's a theory. Um, Let's go with that. Um, You know, all these different types of doctors trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Um, Basically, it started with a sharp stomach pain. And then from that moment forward, I couldn't eat anything, like nothing, without debilitating pain and having to be in the hospital. So I dropped like 30 pounds in like three weeks or something like that. Um, I wasn't sleeping at all. Like it turns out when you don't have any vitamins in your body, it really does a number on the rest of you. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't sleeping at night, but I was still going to work going to doctor's appointments this for two years i was exhausted Mm -hmm. working taking two buses to get to a hospital having nobody everybody poking and prodding at you and like zero solutions and no support system and no support system yeah just me Mm -hmm. i'm all i need Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. is that right now Mm So you decided that coming home was in order to get support from family and friends, or was it really that you thought my life is going to be over soon and I need to be closer to home? I thought my life's, oh, it was really two things. Like I couldn't take living in the city anymore. The stimulus. It was too much. It was, I wasn't sleeping. I was taking, you know, all these buses between work, going back to work, going home just to get to these doctor's appointments. Everything's like so scattered in San Francisco. It takes forever to get anywhere. I have to walk to get my groceries. Like I couldn't, I don't even have the energy to get out of bed, let Mm -hmm. alone do all of these things. But I was still doing them. But it's like, I just, I can't like get me out of here. So I needed to get out of the city. And I was like, I should be with my parents because like, this is it for me. Like it's, no, it's going down. So yeah. But and they took you back. They took me back, and I got a job. I didn't even chill. I. You didn't take a break and no. try and heal? You went straight into another job? Yeah. I see. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. How'd that go? It was actually a fate, I think, because it was people at that job who 
started giving me like, well, because I was 30 years old or 28 years old. I'm like 95 pounds. Like I look sick. Mm -hmm. Like there's no mistaking that. So they were like, well, have you tried like eating different foods and different consistencies to see if you can stomach anything? Because they would see me at lunch and I have like a little Tupperware full of like fennel because it's like the only thing I could eat. It's like you're taking, I was taking in like 100 calories a day or something crazy wow. like that. And I was eating candy. Like my drawer at work was a candy full of Jolly Ranchers. Like that's all Just I ate all day long. Just to keep your blood sugar up. Just to keep me, yeah, yeah. alert, mm -hmm. <laughs> like look alive. Um, and I'm an accountant, so mm -hmm. I have like very like detailed work. So mm -hmm. I have to be awake for my job. So they started like, you know, they like lent me their juicer. They're like, why don't you try juicing? Why don't you try smoothies? Um, soft food. So I started mm -hmm. like playing with that and, um, started eating more and I'm like, oh my, I feel a little bit like a human again. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it was like, you know, back and forth and it's like, it's hard to get yourself to start to like try different things and eating. And then you're like regressing back yeah. and what is the deal? So I would do well for a bit and I would like put on some weight, eat food and I would feel like crap again. So kind of went on there, but they introduced me to like some doctors in the area. Um, there was a doc, there's a doctor in San Luis who specializes in vitamin D. Okay. I think it's called the vitamin D council. And, um, uh, the owners of the place I worked at, they were like, well, we're going to connect you with him. So he like calls mm -hmm. me on the phone. He's like, Oh, I wrote a whole paper about like vitamin D deficiency and lupus. Yes. He's like, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like never thought well, like, what kind of medicine is this? Like all of a sudden, why would I need vitamin D? Like I'm in the sun, like who cares? Mm -hmm. So, and at that point I was living with my parents and, um, they were moving just here to Pismo. So I kind of just like stopped all of that. And I'm like, I'm eating, like, I'll be fine. Like I'll get over it. And we were moving and renovating a house and I started feeling really bad again, probably because I needed to use energy to do things. Like I don't have any energy. Mm -hmm. I just can't, can't do this anymore. Anyways, so we went to, we finally found a nutritionist that, like, somebody had recommended to my mom. So I went to a nutritionist, and she ran all, like, tests that I've, I've been never to, of. never heard of, and I've been to, like, you, like, every doctor in San Francisco. She ran all of these tests, and when I came back to get my results from it, she was like, okay, well, when you need a break, today you let me know and I was like oh this is not good mm -hmm. <laughs> why would I need a break from my test results right so she starts going down the list of everything that she's found whoa and I'm like <laughs> yeah because of all the deficiencies correct and everything yeah. like I'm, I'm anemic but I have high cholesterol like does that even make sense to anybody mm -hmm. I had I had zero vitamin B and zero vitamin D in my body. Wow. Deficient in vitamin C, deficient in magnesium, deficient in like everything, deficient in everything. Mm -hmm. I had bad bacteria and no get good bacteria in my gut, which we all know mm -hmm. is a recipe for disaster if you even have that thing because your gut is your first line of defense to any any foreign invaders. Yeah. I basically had like no stomach lining, <laughs> like just like insane things that she was telling like when she like I felt like I floated out of my body when she was telling me all I hope these things. You were tape things. recording this because it's so much information. Or getting I know I didn't know what I was report. getting into. Yeah. And then she's and then she goes right into well these are all the medicines that you need. They're all like natural supplements to like replenish your body with like the good bacteria. And you do this in the morning. You do this in the afternoon. You do this at night. You do this and then you come back. We test you again. We readjust. And I'm like, no. Overload. No. I'm not doing any of that. Why? I'm 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 done. Like oh. I'm I'm done. So just the thought of trying to come back from ground zero was like no way in hell. No. I was like, just let me go. Mm. <laughs> like I think it's my time. I've lived a pretty good life. Mm. I, I think it's time I think it's time for me to go. Like who wants to deal with all of this? Yeah. There was not one oh Sorry, the only thing in my body that was functioning correctly, which thank God, because a lot of people with lupus have this, but was my kidney. 
The only mm -hmm. thing functioning was my kidney. Everything else was fucked up. Kidney was keeping you alive. Mm -hmm. so, I don't think people understand how critical nutrition mm -hmm. is as an actual medicine. It's really what fuels the body. We know that. But, I mean, most people are it's in medicine. denial over that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I left that doctor's appointment, or nutritionist, but I was like, mm-mm, it's not for me. I don't think I can do that. Mm -hmm. I sat on the deck at my parents' house, about 85 degrees. I was wearing a sweater and I was shivering. Uh, yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm so done. Like, I don't have the energy mm -hmm. to fight anymore. I don't want to fight anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, how could I be at this point? Like, nobody caught anything. I've yeah. been going to the Pissed doctor off. my whole life. Mm -hmm. Nobody could tell me any of this stuff. Like, exactly. are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's like, you know what? It's time for me to go. When I leave my house today, I really hope a bus hits me. Like, mm -hmm. I, uh, I pray, please, God, take me. Like, mm -hmm. get me out of this misery. Like, I can't live like this. Mm -hmm. And, like, as soon as I had that thought, I was like, what? Hold up. Rewind. Mm -hmm. What are you saying? Well, it's easy, not easy. It makes sense that you would be at that point because you do reach a breaking point. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are humans after all. And to go through a lifetime of suffering and pain and misery to have all of these people that were trying to help and have no real answers and then to have that revelation of, you know, the nutrition is a key element for me to manage my disease. And of course, Something lifestyle and stress, and we'll so get easy. into that. But yeah. yeah, I'd be pissed too. I was pissed. Like I went undiagnosed with celiac for a long time and I did a lot of tests. And by the time I found out, I was pretty pissed off. Oh yeah. That doesn't go well, you yeah. know, because you do believe in the systems and in traditional ways of looking at the human body. Mm -hmm. But we know, and a lot of people know now, of course, thank goodness, holistic health and Alternative medicine is a thing now. It's super popular. Yeah. Yay, in our lifetime. Uh, Woo! I know. Right? Finally. So there you are. You hear one voice in your head that says, I'm done. Enough of this. You know, game over. But then another part of you said, the stubborn at birth, that one that was driving the car and, you know, mm -hmm. doing the thing, said, oh, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, I was like, this. I got this. Yeah, I was like, this is not acceptable that I'm having this thought. Like, yeah. we, my, I've always been like, like a goofy, joyful, like happy mm -hmm. person. And my health had deteriorated so much so, like, it took mm -hmm. my spirit. And that's oh, what yeah. pissed me off more than anything. Robbed you. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. like, I'm this like, angry, mad, I snap at anything person. Mm -hmm. And that's not who I want to be. That's not who I am. Yeah. So... Right now, I'm making the decision. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my life back, to be able to do the things that I love. No, like, that's it. I'm going to fight until the end. And if I don't get there, like, that's fine. If I never get better, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But at least I tried and I did my best because that's what I do with everything in my life. I do my best. You're going to go down swinging. I'm going to go down swinging <laughs> and I'm going to go down smiling, which was most important to me. Yes, exactly. So I went back to the nutritionist. I'm like, give me all the shit. Like, let's do this. <laughs> like, let's get this started. And to be clear, that also is not an easy situation because the years of damage that have been done to bodies who are fighting autoimmune disease when they go undiagnosed or untreated, it is no small feat. You are literally rebuilding your body from the ground up, and it takes a long time. And some things work yeah. and some things don't. Well, exactly. And You'd not be, all lupus is the same. Exactly. So you're basically a human guinea pig. Yes. You're just trying to find what works for me, what makes me feel my best. Mm -hmm. Some some days this works, some other days yeah. this doesn't work. Do I keep at it or do I stop it? Like, right. is it making me worse or I'm just having a, not a good day with this thing? Or is it something else? So it's like finding the right combination of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at what point did you decide that reintroducing exercise was a good idea? And that's how we met, of course. So yes. I'm glad you did. Yes. But what was that? Well, so I've been playing, I told you, I've been playing soccer since I was a little girl. 
the only girl on the boys team. So proud yes. of that. <laughs> um, and when I started, so when I started seeing this nutritionist, when I decided it took me two years more than I was like already sick for, for two years, two years more of like trying to feel better again. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, I'm starting to take all these medicines and I feel good and okay. And I'm starting to eat. Oh my gosh, I'm starting to eat. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling good. And then I became healthier and healthier and I felt happier. And I started like I went, I took a trip by myself to Paris, which like I never would have like done before because either like I'm busy, I'm working, I have so much to do or like I'm sick. What if I get sick over there? I don't feel good. But I was like, I'm doing it. Like I feel good. I have all the stuff I need. I have the tools. I'm doing it. And then I started going on like hikes and things like that. And then I had like a week off from work for some reason. I think it was like Christmas break or something. I was like, well, what am I going to do in San Luis Obispo for a week? It's not enough time to travel anywhere. So I found like a gym, uh, like all women's gym. And I was like, hmm, I'd like to start running again. Like I used to be a runner. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's let's go to the gym and see how I do at the gym. And then maybe I'll start running again. Because at that point I also had that back problem I told you about. So I wasn't running either. Yeah. So I started going to the gym and I loved it because I always was an active person Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how much I missed it until I started going to the gym. I was taking HIIT classes, boxing, um, bar classes. And one week you're like, I'm going to try all the things. Oh yeah, everything. And I loved it. Well, also you were becoming reborn. Like there's a whole rebirth process of like, Absolutely. Who is this person? I could do whatever I want. Invincible. Yes, yes. And then I was like on Facebook or Instagram, something like that, and I saw pictures of a Spartan race. And I was that Spartan race. Then I went to YouTube and I was watching the videos of it. I was like, that is so badass. (laughs) I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Mm So that's when I found the gym that we met at because I said, I need to step up this training <laughs> because I am nowhere near that strong. Like yeah. I had, you know, bad joint issues. My grip is really bad. Mm-hmm. I Sometimes I couldn't open the doors to my apartment to get in, like really bad. I was like, we need to up this training. So I, I went to a, to a strength training gym and I signed up. I was like, yeah, whatever. Tell me whatever you want me to do. Tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I started going to that gym to prepare for my Spartan race. You set a very big audacious goal. Mm-hmm. I love that, which is just to your heart in the core of your being. Yeah. That's yeah. so awesome. And you did Spartans for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. How long were you doing Spartans? Oh, I just stopped in January was my last one because COVID hit. So yeah. there's I was signed up for all this year. What, but three or four years? I've been years. doing them for three years now. Yeah, three mm-hmm. years. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's how we met at the gym. That's how we met. I didn't know you were doing Spartans at the time, but I was like, yeah. who is that chick? I love it. <laughs> yeah, totally. <sighs> and then you discovered Spartans. Yeah. You have been on this journey for a while now of really trying to not only heal your body, your brain, all of the emotional stuff that comes with this too. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be clear, we are also emotional beings and spiritual beings. So there's a lot of work that has to be done. That part for me is harder <laughs> than the physical parts. <laughs> it's not as easy as yeah. people think, right? Like mm-hmm. that we'd start to feel a little bit better and then we just go on our merry way. Like there's a little bit of a roller coaster. And, and with autoimmune also, um, we still have good and bad days. Yeah. So here we are now. How are things going for you? Now? Well, you decided to become an autoimmune coach. Yeah. So you very clearly determined for yourself on top of your career path and working for nonprofits and helping make an impact in the world, which you still do, by the way. Hmm. How can I do it at a more personal level Mm -hmm. with humans who share autoimmune disease? Yeah. What was that decision like? When did you make that and why? I made that decision... A couple of years ago, I think. Became certified like two years ago in January. Mm-hmm. And I made that decision because and I feel better now than I did then. So then I was like, this is the best I've ever felt. And today I'm like, this is the best <laughs> I've ever felt in my life. Like it keeps getting better. Yeah. Because I've learned how to manage it. 
But I decided to become a coach because I've been through hell. Exactly. Hell. Like, a few times, actually. Uh, yeah. I don't think that was a oh, just a one time. No, one definitely hit not one time. <laughs> Been through hell. So if I can help somebody avoid going through hell, like that's kind of my duty. Like mm -hmm. I've learned how to manage my condition. And yes, we're all different. All of our autoimmune but to the core, there are ways to manage your autoimmune disease, yeah. which I don't believe are through to traditional medicine. And I want to show people and help them on their journey to see mm -hmm. if any of these tactics may help them. Mm -hmm. Because if they do, I mean, what a different, what night and day. Like I am a different person totally. than I was back then. Mm -hmm. Like I can't even, I can't even comprehend how that's me. That was me back then. Like yeah. it's, it's crazy to think about. So I said, this is my purpose in life. This is why I went through it. Cause it has to have a purpose. Cause I don't believe oh, you go yes. through anything yeah. for no reason. Agreed. My purpose is to help others with autoimmune diseases mm -hmm. live a life they love. That's it. That's my purpose. And knowing that to be honest, if you help one person, it's absolutely worth it because oh, hell yeah. Most people who suffer from autoimmune disease at some point really do think they're going to die. That's a for real thing. Also, you're you're told that you're going to yeah. die this way. Oh, yeah. The statistics they mm -hmm. let you walk out the doctor's office with are slightly alarming. And then, of course, all you do is got to go to Google. Yeah. And then all that stuff is extrapolated and it's super scary. Yeah. And you feel totally alone and isolated and pissed off and all the things. So you do start to shrink even further into your disease, yep. you know, and you chose to say, my disease is not going to take my life and it's not going to own who I am as a human being. Mm -hmm. Like I have something to offer and I'm going to get on the business of offering those gifts that I have. Mm -hmm. But then also that journey, it is a bit of a roller coaster, Yeah, you know, and like we were touching on earlier, super fascinated to know your thoughts on the psychological aspect because we both do endurance sports and you know have done spartans and other things that make us um force us to explore the mindset that we own yeah and the mental space that we navigate so i yeah. want to know how has sport or being a physically fit healthy person in the world how has that armed you with the power to manage your disease how are you using those tools yeah, I think with sports, with everything really, but mindset is key, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go into something like if you, let's say you go into you're running a hundred miler race, let's say, mm -hmm. and you're at the starting line and you're like, oh, I, I'm not going to finish this race. This is not <laughs> Better go home now. Are you really going to do well? Like you've already told yourself you're not going to run well and you're going to drop out of this race. Yeah. So your body's believing it basically. For sure. Yeah. So that's how I think you can, you transfer your mindset into everything that you do. So when I'm at the gym and I'm dying in a training session, like my coach is yelling at me and I'm like, if this fool tells me to do one more burpee, I will slap him. Mm -hmm. Like, but you power through it. So instead of saying, I don't want to do this anymore, I think of my why. Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. So everything in my life has a why. Why am I doing this? I'm not going to lift weights just because it's fun, although I, I do really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But there is a purpose behind it because a strong mind has a strong body and a strong body can do anything it wants to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sports have, have really helped me maintain that mindset. It's also really great for anxiety and depression, which a lot of people with autoimmune disease have. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, so um, especially, well because I know about lupus the most, to be honest. So with lupus, a lot of people end up committing suicide because... Hopeless. Hopeless. And depression. They're mm -hmm. like, I can't live like this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. No. It's not a life. Yeah. So they take their own life. Mm. So sports for me also helps with anxiety. If I wake up one morning, I'm very anxious for whatever. So I've had anxiety and depression since I was in high school because I'm always suppress any emotion that I've ever had, good mm -hmm. or bad, has always been suppressed. Which so if you internalize that it has to come out somehow. Totally. And mine was always in anxiety. And if my anxiety becomes too much, I become a little bit depressed. Mm 
So sports for me also really helps with anxiety because you have a physical way of getting out that bad yeah. energy. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's like trapped energy. Mm -hmm. You know, emotions are a form of energy in your body mm -hmm. and they play tricks on your mind. Mm -hmm. But if you can help manage them and process them through movement and activity and exercise and all of that kind of stuff. And I will also say, which I mean, hallelujah, you find community. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, we find like-minded people yes. in the communities that we're hanging out in. So, mm -hmm. you know, choose wisely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Which was huge for me living in this town and yeah. it's a very small and mm -hmm. I'm a minority in this town. And, um, so finding like-minded people for mm -hmm. me was a game changer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So coaching now doing autoimmune disease coaching, what's, tell me a little bit about your philosophy. So um, I, my philosophy is you manage your conditions through mindset, mm -hmm. nutrition, physical activity, and all-around all lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So that's how I coach my clients. Um, the strong mind, the strong body, mm -hmm. and then like figuring out what you love and how you can do it. Mm -hmm. so Rather than it, focusing on how you can't. Yes. So my big thing is to appreciate what you can do don't sulk in what you cannot do and mm -hmm. have a blast doing it mm -hmm. that's my philosophy i know you also have a belief system and we've talked at great length about the reality is some days we don't have it yeah and we do understand that part of our journey mm -hmm. is self-compassion mm -hmm. and dealing with what comes at you and and really understanding that sometimes self-compassion is staying home yeah. And is laying low and is, mm -hmm. you know, being quiet or being um, reflective and really maybe not being yeah. out in the world in a big way yeah. and understanding how to balance all of that. And I feel like we both agree that with autoimmune, it's even more critical. We know it's everybody should be doing these things is understanding you know, the balance around, um, life, when to go hard and when not to go hard, yeah. but with autoimmune, it's like critical. Yeah. And it's, sometimes it's hard to judge that. So how do you do that for yourself? Yeah, that was definitely, and still is probably a learning process. Mm -hmm. Um, because, uh, when I used like to, to go hard, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me not to go hard. It's a counterintuitive yeah. to my being. So, yeah. um, when I used to not feel well, I would force myself to go to the oh. gym and work out harder and longer than I normally do Ooh. to mm -hmm. prove to myself that I can do it. Yeah. That's the old you. Though. That is the old me because mm -hmm. it is so counterproductive. It makes you way worse. Like you might've woken up a little, Oh, I'm a little fatigued today. Yeah. And then you end up being incapacitated yeah. and can't Engulfed. like lay on the floor and I can't move for the rest of the day, basically. Yeah. Like, good job, Amir. That was a good decision. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, so I've had to definitely learn that. But for me now, what it is, is showing myself grace and compassion yeah. when I, but first of all, I'm an athlete, but I'm not trying to be the best athlete of all time. In the time. Olympics, we're not You're going. Right. Not going. To, they could call me any moment. Maybe, maybe one day I'll be in the Olympics. You never know. <laughs> but we're doing it for a lifestyle choice. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. It's because it. I yes, yeah. I love it. It's one of my passions. So, like, why torture myself? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. why go to the gym and force myself to work out and I'm miserable the whole time? Like, that's. So not how you're supposed to do life in general. Yeah. Um, so I try to show myself grace. But I also, for me, I show up for me. Like mm -hmm. whatever that means on that day. Like sometimes I wake up. I'm not sick. I'm not. I don't have a fever. I'm just like really tired. I'm sore. I just, I'm brain foggy. Mm -hmm. But I want to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So I go to the gym. And I sit on the floor for 15 minutes and I'm like, Ooh, I do not have it in me. Mm -hmm. And I go home. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm good with that. I went, I tried, I wanted to, I got there and realized not the best look today. <laughs> Maybe so, you needed community for a moment. Yeah. Maybe you needed something else. And mm -hmm. that was the energy that you needed to receive. Mm -hmm. And that gift of self-compassion was what you needed. That mm -hmm. was the workout. That was the workout. Self-compassion is a workout. Yeah. It is. That's a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> it is. It is hard. 
we're all learning that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nature for me has always been very healing. Yeah. Some days I'm very tired. I didn't work out this morning. I worked all day. I should go do something. You're a fan of the beach, I know. I'm a fan of the beach. So I'll try to go. To, I go to the beach every day. Mm -hmm. um, go for a walk. So some days I drive to the beach, but I can't get out of my car because I'm so tired. Mm -hmm. I'm brain foggy. Just don't have it in me to go for a walk. But mm -hmm. seeing the beach makes me happy. Smelling it, hearing it. Yeah, hearing mm -hmm. the waves, watching the sunset from your car. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, that's a good life right there. Yes. <laughs> We're lucky to be able to do that here. So that's what I did for myself. I went to the beach and I listened to the waves. And that was cool. I love it. It is such a fascinating journey, you know, and we're going to continue on it. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. One of the tricky things about autoimmune disease, and that is why you have to make peace with it, is you don't know. Mm -hmm. So we have this today, and we, autoimmune disease, you know, human beings have high probability of getting others as they age, mm -hmm. and life happens, and we're, you know, exposed to the environment and different things. Um, no matter how hard we're working at staying healthy. Yeah. But just knowing that um, the unknown is there is actually pretty damn motivating. And mm -hmm. we shouldn't be fearful or live a life of fear and be paralyzed because of it. Mm -mm. It needs to yeah. fuel our future, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think for me, it's accepting it and mm -hmm. making peace with it rather than surrendering to it. Oh, no, surrender. That's the difference. Yeah. I accept yes. it. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. But I choose to do what I want with it. Yeah. Well, if you make peace with it, then you own it. Mm -hmm. Right? It doesn't define, it doesn't define you, me. Yeah. But you own it, which means you're now in control of how this is going to go down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? What's next for me? Well, I'm, like, always looking to take on more clients. Cool. Okay. And um, that's really where my, I think my future is headed that's mm -hmm. I just want to do more and more coaching I love it nice um and I want to help as many people as possible and even if I only help one person that's cool with me because they're going to pass on the information that they gained from me and they're going to also mm -hmm. be able to live a better lifestyle hopefully yeah and there's a lot of people who have a family member that has an autoimmune and might be struggling too so I know you're a great resource for that we've used you for that in the past too so that's really important too um, that people understand that if you're living in a household or you have a family member or a child or, you know, who has autoimmune and trying to understand it can be very challenging. Mm -hmm. And so you'd also be willing to be a resource for those people oh, yeah. too, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, lady. This was so good. Yeah. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Bye. That's a wrap for us. Bye. See you next time. Thank you for connecting with us for this episode of the Endurance Town USA Project. Discover more about today's guest, along with other great stories and video projects, by visiting us online at EnduranceTownUSA.com. You can also follow us for updates and behind-the-scenes peeks at future episodes on Instagram at EnduranceTownUSA. You can also connect with our creator, host, and life leadership and business coach, Samantha Pruitt, at SamanthaPruitt.com, or on Instagram at TheSamanthaPruitt. And lastly, you can follow me, Travis Ford, producer and marketing creative at rockharbormarketing.com or Instagram at rockharbormarketing. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time we go on an adventure to Endurance Town, USA. Bring it back.